When I read the parasha this week, I just was so focused on fear and what it meant. And it reminded me of, uh, of somebody who used to actually be part of this congregation and who was in leadership, a young person. And that's as far as I'll go in terms of identifying. And it really irked them that we were to fear God because their definition of fear was, in, in my understanding of it, was, was not God's definition, not from a scriptural point of view. But he, he couldn't get away from, from what he had learned in this culture. And so I want to talk today about love and fear, because I see these as the two great emotions that really motivate us to do something. God calls us to love and to fear him, and love and fear are used by God, I think, to achieve the same results. So God wants us to obey his words, and imagine trying to Get somebody to do that with two motivators that seem to be so different. But really, um, people react in different ways. God, God shows us first that he loves us. We have to know that God loves us. It is crucial to our faith, crucial to our walk with the Lord. He created us, just as Isaac said. He created us. And so we have to understand him as a creator. He also gives us all the things that we need to live an abundant life. There is nothing that we could make without God supplying the material. So everything comes from God. And you can thank God for your car. You can thank God for your house. You can thank God for the trees in your yard. You can thank God for just the, the colors of the sky when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down. You can thank God for all these different things. God loves us. Deuteronomy 7, 7. It's not because you are more numerous than all the other peoples that Adonai has set his love on you and chose you. You're the least of all peoples. Okay, thank you very much, Lord. Um, I get it. You want us to be humble. Okay, I, I get it. Rather, because of his love for you and his keeping the oath he swore to your fathers. Now, most people are focusing on the fact that God loves us because he promised our fathers. But look what it says right before that. It says, rather, because of his love for you. Is there any condition around that? No. It's just that he loves you. Deal with it. You might not think you're worthy, but he loves you anyway. And 
Adonai brought you, and then he, it says what he's done for us, brought us out of the house of slavery. And, and even this, uh, uh, it's not necessarily a physical bringing us out because the people have already been brought out of Egypt, but this is a spiritual thing, Egypt representing sin in Scripture, and, and uh, we can decide to be slaves to sin or slaves to God. And I certainly choose God. Um, our response is to love him and respect him with everything we have. And unfortunately, we don't always do that. Some people are wired that they need a lot of love. And then they'll head in the right direction. Other people are wired that they need the fear of the Lord. And then they'll head in the right direction. Most of us need both. It seems obvious to me that God loves us, and we are to love him. So Adonai, uh, in, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6.5, love Adonai, your God. You know this, we say it every week, with all, your, with all your heart, with all your soul. Oh, actually, we used to say it every week. We don't say it every week anymore. We, we need to go back to the Via Hafta. Amen. And Deuteronomy 10, 12. So now, O Israel, what does Adonai, your God, require of you? Good question. So let's do this slowly. But to fear Adonai, your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve Adonai, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. So there are two basic things in this scripture. One is fear, the other is love, because the service and the walking comes from one of those or both of those. So the keys are fearing God and loving God. As parents, we should be able to understand this really well, because we love our kids. We love our kids no matter what they do. And yet, We discipline them. There are consequences to our kids' actions. And so we act in such a way where our kids say, I, I remember Sarah telling me that I was the most, um, what, what was the word she used? Uh, not, I, was, I was the, somebody help me with a good word for a, a, a father who gives no, Strict. I'll take strict. That's not the word she used. But I was the strictest father of all her friends. Now, I know that Becca disagrees with that because, see, when Becca saw Sarah as a little girl, she said, how come you're giving her all, you're allowing her to do all these things you never allowed me to do? You know, it's the first child, second child kind of thing. But, um, but, we, we discipline our, our kids because we love them. And without discipline, they tend to go their own direction. Well, it's the same with God. We are his children, and he disciplines us. So this is the backdrop for the parasha, which we've already read the verses, but I'd rather read it again. Uh, Deuteronomy 31, 10 through 13. Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, in the set time of 
the year of canceling debts during the Feast of Sukkot, which is coming up in, what, uh, a week? Uh, when all Israel comes to appear before Adonai your God in the place he chooses, you are to read this Torah before them in their hearing. Gather the people, the men, the women, the little ones, and the outsider within your town gates so they may hear. Now, again, this is what I said to Isaac. First we hear, then we learn, and then if we've learned right, we fear. We fear God, not man. We fear God. And take care, and if we fear God, we're going to do what he says. So we take care to do all the words of the Torah. So they're children who have not known. So the children didn't grow up with God, so to speak, or, or experience God the way the adults did. So there's a special verse here for them. So the children who have not known, they're going to hear and learn to fear Adonai your God. All the days you live on the land, you're about to cross over the Jordan to possess it. So I think it's very clear what this is saying to us. So what does it mean to fear God? I think for believers, it's really well uh, put in Hebrews 12, 28, and 29, because really fear means immense respect, uh, awe. It, it's, it's, and so let's look at what it says in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So look at this. Um, we're going to be talking about fear, right? And yet... We, we start out in this verse saying, we have received a kingdom that can't be shaken. So we are not to fear the things of this world because, in a sense, we're not of this world. And we have to understand the kingdom that we belong to cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude. Through this, we may offer worship in a manner pleasing to God. So what's, a, a worship, what's pleasing to God? Reverence and awe. So that's sort of a description of fear. The reverence and awe. Like, whoa. Ooh. You know, that, that's, and, and that God sees as pleasing to him that we are humble before him because God is a consuming fire. And if you want to explain that to me, you can, because I don't understand it. Um, feel free to explain it to me. I'm, I'm good with it. Um, catch me and let me know. Because as, as I meditate on a consuming fire, I, I just don't have a clear understanding what that means, except that I know a consuming fire is not good. And I know that I better be careful and I better fear. I know those things. So I think that's the important part. Defining what that means as a cons God is a consuming fire, I don't think is as important as how we apply the fact that he is.
Reverence and awe is that type of fear that motivates us to surrender to God. And when we surrender, I'm going to say something that will maybe upset some people. You have to give up your rights. Now, I realize that most all of us here are Americans, and that's dirty language to an American. Give up your rights, because one of the things we say is, we're free, so don't tell me what to do. And that's exactly what God is doing. He's saying, well, he says, you say you're surrendering, that means you give up everything and receive the rights that I give you. And when that happens, our first directive is to obey him. But we have to give up things that are near and dear to us. Now, he might choose to give them back to us. But that's his choice, not ours. There are many things we fear in life. We fear poverty. We fear lack of a job. We fear breakup of the family or friends, uh, a breakup of friends, relationships, and, and many other things, including physical violence from people on the street and whatever. However, we've got to learn to fear God the most. Some people are uncomfortable, as I mentioned, about the portrayal of a God who we are to fear. And the reason, I think, is because oftentimes preachers preach only love. And that's great. I mean, to preach love is great. But only love is not great because there are things that we need to do, consequences when we don't do them, and that puts us in a fear relationship as well. So we have to understand that God looks at our sins. Yes, he overlooks them if we come to him, if we repent before him. But when we go to an extreme of love only, or an extreme of fear only, we, I think, have missed the mark of what God is trying to do in our lives. He's trying to get us to understand that both are required for us to be in the center of his will. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of Adonai is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so the kind of knowledge that God wants us to have, many people despise that because they see it as being a doormat. And the fear of Adonai sometimes causes us to, do th to let things go that other people don't want to let go because they feel um, they were wronged or something. But, but when we fear God, well, let me give you an example. Uh, this lady called up yesterday, and uh, I happened to be at the office, 
and she was calling up for somebody else. I hope you're, she's not here. She said she'd never step in here, so I'm, uh, I'm going to take her at her word. Uh, and she's, I got on the phone, and she said, I'm calling my friend for my friend who has a question. She just found out she's 1% Jewish. That's exactly what I did. I laughed. And she took it as the greatest insult in the world. And not only did she take it, and then somehow we got disconnected, which made things worse, probably. And so she called back in order to chew me out. And she chewed me out for about five or ten minutes. And I realized that she was really obviously upset. So I, I just chilled out, and I let her do her thing. And then I said, let, is it time? Can we go to the question? Uh, because you called for a question. Well, no, I'm not finished. I'm never coming to yours. I said, I understand. That's fine. But would you like me to try and answer your question? And we finally got around to it. And at the end of the conversation, she said, I can't believe you were so rude. And it, it really... It, it, that was not the point of the story. The point of the story is that I didn't go New York over her. That's the point of the story. I left New York in New York, and I, 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 I allowed the, the, the uh, God's location in my heart to just give me peace and let her just read me one side and the other. And it was okay because, no, it, it was okay because, I, you know, God just said this to me, that this lady has some difficulties, and if you try and correct her or, or, you know, do anything, she is going to feel worse. So I said, fine, I was good. The point is this, that the world would say that was a, a silly reaction from me because I should have said something in defense or offense or something. But we don't need to be like that. We serve God. And if God is all we need, and we're saying that, then we have to act like that's true. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son never despise Adonai's discipline or dread his correction, for Adonai loves those he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Okay, just as we're, we're getting ready for Yom Kippur and we're in the days of awe, I just want to kind of give you a, 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 the forspice. It's the, it's the beginning of the meal. Um, and in terms of all the times in our Yom Kippur service where we repent, and we repent consistently in this service over and over and over again. So, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The deeds of the flesh are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, 
and things like these. So that's a partial list. I would think that you could find at least one thing to repent of in that list, maybe more. I think that, that we have to understand that for us, Yom Kippur and every day should be a course correction because God wants our heart every day. And when we do something and, which is wrong, we have to let God correct our course. And that sometimes comes by love and sometimes it comes by fear. One of the things that's interesting is how people blame God for things. But you who are parents, do you want your children to listen to you? Of course. Whether they do or they don't, do you still love them? Of course. Especially when they are little, sometimes do you do something that puts fear in their heart? Of course. Even though you love them? Absolutely. Well, God's greater than this. And this is so important for us to understand. Without knowing God's love, which is unconditional, the fear of God turns into bitterness. Does that make sense? If you don't know the love of God, you can become bitter. And anything, whether it's the fear or whatever it is that you might blame God for, you become bitter. Romans 8, 37 through 39, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua. God helps, his love helps us get through difficult things. Will parents always be able to stop bad things from happening to their kids? No. Will parents try to warn their kids about various dangers? Yes. However, sometimes things happen. You know, we can't blame God. The same hurricane that we're... And I, I loved um, Peggy's uh, prayer in the beginning of service because on one hand, she was more than thanking God for the blessing of the hurricane not hitting us. And then she also prayed for where the hurricane did hit. And you have to understand, are we going to say that we were good and they were bad? Of course not. This is just something that as we live, sometimes difficult things happen and we cannot blame God. On the other hand, of course, as Tevye would say, if God warns you not to have idols in your life and you continue to ignore him, not making him number one, is it possible that there are going to be some consequences and that he's going to want to teach you a lesson? Yes, absolutely. We see that with walking around the desert for 40 years. So Deuteronomy 31, 16 and 17, Adonai said to Moses, Behold, you're about to lie down with your fathers. 
what I love about these, this, these few verses to Moses is that by now he has become fully, fully mature. And he knows not to question God. God says, okay, you're about to die. He doesn't respond. And what makes it even worse? The next verse. Then this people will rise up. And in other words, when you die... Then the people will rise up and prostitute themselves with foreign gods of the land they're entering. They'll abandon me and break my covenant that I cut with them. Then my anger will flare against them on that day and I will abandon them and hide my face from them. So they will be devoured and many evils and troubles will come on them. So Moses, by the way, I know you've been with leading the people for 40 years. I just wanted you to know you failed. I mean, that's how I read it. If I were Moses and God said that to me, I'd be petrified. I'd be irritated. After all the work I did, leading the people out of Egypt and becoming a nation and leading them just to the promised land, and you're saying now they're going to go away from you, Lord? How's that possible? It's possible because we're people. And we have a few more days before Yom Kippur. We are in the days of awe. We need to figure some things out with the sin in our lives. Yom Kippur is Tuesday evening and all day Wednesday. Should you take God seriously and meet him on this Moedim, this appointed time? Should you use the next couple days to ask God to show you your sins? Should you be in a spirit of repentance? Whether it is love or fear or both, clear your calendar and make God number one. Some of you might not ever have received Yeshua as your Messiah. This too, in a sense, is a sin. Why? Because God has given people the opportunity to receive the best gift ever. And some people have said, I don't need it. How would you feel if you gave a loved one a gift that you spent a long time and, and uh, you know, you, you just, it was a thoughtful gift. And they said, oh, thank you, but I, I really don't need that. How much worse when people say that to God and say, I don't, I don't need eternal life. I don't believe. I don't, whatever the reason is. God has given us a gift. Receive Yeshua now. He is toned for our sins. It's the way our sins become clean to come to Yeshua. He intercedes to the Father for your sins. He, your sins have fallen on him when you receive him. And so it helps your life now and it gives you a life with God after you pass away. Either way, 
receive Yeshua into your life. Receive Yeshua into your heart now. If this is for you, pray with me. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Yeshua, thank you for atoning for my sins. May I dedicate my life to you forever. Father, I just pray for anybody on Facebook Live or here who has said those words. Just start them on a journey that, Lord, let them see the excitement and the joy and the peace of, of knowing you in a personal, dramatic way. So, Lord, touch them now. Touch them. Touch their hearts. Let them know how real you really are. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.